Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. Imagine shattering your leg. Shattering your leg. I know I am in bed for two days on the couch watching TV when I get a bad cold. Imagine shattering your leg as an elite athlete. Your doctors tell you you may never walk normally again almost losing your leg and coming back in less than a year, competing at an international level and winning a national championship within two years. That is what Luke Strong did. He is a British trampolinist and was ultimately in 2016, a reserve on the Olympic team. So when he came out as bisexual, it's kind of like, um, I almost lost my leg. I broke my leg a second time later on. I've won national championships after that. Mm, I think I can handle coming out. Luke was out to a lot of his national teammates years ago, and he's still going at it strong. Uh, It was great catching up with him. He talks about all of that, and plus what it means to him to be bisexual. And we talk about the, the importance and lack of importance of labels and who he is as a person. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy my conversation with British trampolinist Luke Strong. Luke, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so sorry that it's taken me a good six months to, uh, to connect. Well, you, you came out last summer as, as bi. Uh, is that yeah. how you identify now? Um, yeah, I guess so. Like in during the podcast and stuff, I didn't actually use like the word bisexual or anything like that I just said that like I was attracted to both sex which of course is true and I guess for argument's sake for people who like people to be in a box or fit in some sort of category I guess bisexual is probably the best to describe myself but I don't really mind like you can call me whatever you want it wouldn't really affect me I just I'm attracted to both sexes and I just go with it really like I just I'm attracted to who I'm attracted with, and I just go with it no matter what anybody says, really. Well, that's so interesting. It's um, that I'm so careful about using labels with people, particularly today. Um, and I always ask, like, particularly with women, I'll ask, are you gay? Are you lesbian? Are you queer? Are you bi? Because those terms lesbian and gay, um, you know, can get interchanged, and some people have different, like, triggers with one or the other. So, you know, bi or gay or queer, LGBTQ, whatever it is, you don't really care how people identify you. No, because I just, I don't know, like for me, it's a a big family and like, I'm not heterosexual. I know that. So whatever I fit in, in the LGBTQ community is fine with me. It's not, I'm not triggered by it. I'm not offended by what anyone wants to call me. I just, I guess, kind of spend my time with who I want to spend my time with. And that's the most important thing. Well, I'm, I'm curious, who do you spend your time with? For example, I, I'm, I'm, I call myself gay, right? I've been married for 18, well, I've been with my husband for 18 years. Um, but, you know, there are women that I still think, oh, you're attractive, but <laughs> I'm gay. I, I, only, I only date men, I've only dated men for 25 years. I, what is your situation? Um. Well, I've actually never been in a relationship with like any sort really. So I've never like 
been in a full-time relationship with a man or a woman but I've kind of obviously had sexual experience with both and things like that so I don't really know it's just I've not really pictured myself with either sex for like the long run I guess maybe I've not met the right person or anything like that I don't know it's just yeah like the settling down thing just doesn't really appeal to me like in this time in my life so maybe like in the future like I'll get with find like a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever it is if you're like me at some point you'll eventually just find someone and, and that'll be it that's what happened to me I wasn't necessarily looking for somebody to marry I mean eventually I wanted to but then one day boom there he was standing at a bar and I was like oh that's it there he is yeah <laughs> like not like that yeah but I don't know like I guess I'm I'm only 27 but sometimes I do think like god am I gonna get it together at some point and at least have a relationship but nothing's worked out so far and to be honest I'm not really looking I don't mind like I kind of enjoy being on my own and I have a lot of friends, so that's kind of all that matters to me at the minute. You have been competing at the highest levels of your sport for a long time, for probably a majority of your life. Does that play a role in a lack of dating? Um, yeah, I think definitely for the past 16 years, that has been a big part of it because like, there's been occasions where like, I've like obviously spoken to people and like, then started to like arrange like dating and things like that maybe but it just always ends up getting to the point where it's like well I train six days a week I only get Sunday off like that's my only day that I can do something or see anyone and then I don't know that kind of brings a little bit of trouble because obviously it's a lot of compromise for somebody to do and then I just got to the point where I just stopped pursuing everything because like it's not fair on the other person to have to change their whole life and in like a selfish way, like sport was all that I cared about at the time. So like, I also didn't want to have to change my life at that moment. And I wanted to just focus on training. So I think it was like a conscious decision as well on my behalf, like not wanting to do that. Like I love my day off on a Sunday and just literally doing absolutely nothing, just watching TV. So even if I got in a relationship and my only day off was taken by someone else, I'd like resent them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know when I was young, and I was about what the age that you're, you're talking about, starting about 11. Uh, I remember realizing that I was, I really liked boys. And I sunk myself into athletics, and academics, and extracurricular activities. And I think part of that was to just keep all of that, what was going on in my head regarding the boys around me, just keep it away and avoid you know, I was so busy. I, oh, I couldn't be dating girls. I was just, I was just too busy. Yeah. Looking back, do you think that was part of why you sunk so much of your life into it? Um, or you just loved it and that's what you wanted to do? I don't know. Like I did a lot of different sports when I was a kid. So like I tried like a bunch of things and like never stuck to anything. It wasn't until like I tried trampoline that that was the first thing that I actually ever loved and kind of was passionate about. So I don't even know if that's the case. I don't think so. I think I just found something that I loved and was passionate about and then just went with it. And yeah, like, I don't know. For like my whole life, I've never really been the sort of person to want a relationship or chase a relationship or really care about anything like that. Like I'm not very affectionate or like lovey-dovey. So like I've kind of just always loved like 
friendships and things like that and in like trampoline that's where all of my friends were so I just loved being there for that aspect of it but also because I had goals and things that I wanted to achieve so I don't think it was that but I yeah don't know <laughs> you're not selling yourself to the men and women listening Luke <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm terrible at relationships I don't like people <laughs> well, terrible because I've never had I love people but I just I don't know like I don't yeah I'm not like one for like public displays of affection and stuff like that I don't know <laughs> well maybe that'll change um you yeah. you were so you said you were so you were around 11 when you started the trampoline at what point did somebody say um you're really good at this you need to be on the national and international radar um so I started trampoline in 2005 just at like a recreational club where like you went and you played football and like you played on like video games and things like that so I just did that and like went on a trampoline for the first time and I just picked it up really naturally and one of the coaches was like oh like come to the gym like we do competitions and stuff like that so that's how I kind of got into competing and then I think I represented Great Britain in 2007. So it took about two years of like learning all the skills and kind of getting my ranking up before I was like selected as a junior. So that's like a pretty quick turnaround for like a gymnastic sport. So I think people around me told me that like I was good, I guess, and like I was talented, but I don't know, like you just, I was just a kid. I, I didn't even really think about that until like then like the world championships was an option and then I was like oh like this is cool I love traveling I love competing and then that's when I think I started to take it more seriously when you um when you were starting to rise up through the sport you knew at the time that you were not straight right you said you knew at a young age yeah I think I think I, I know a lot of people who have said similar things I think at the time I didn't know it i I guess you always kind of know there's something, but you're not sure what it is. And then it's obviously then when you kind of accept it yourself and you come out that you're like, oh, okay, like other things make sense now. So like at the time, I guess I didn't know it, but now looking back, I think I knew something was different. I'm curious. The reason I asked is because I only know of one uh, publicly out gay or by a trampolinist, and that was Jai Wallace, who was a Olympic silver medalist. I'm just curious if as, as you were, you know, rising up the ranks in the sport and, and discovering yourself, if, if knowing there was another person like you who came before you, if, if, if you even knew about him. And I knew about Jai Wallace and I knew about like his, I guess like trampoline, like career and like his Olympic silver medal and all things like that. Like I knew that side of it, but I guess I, like when I was growing up, like there wasn't really like internet really, like it was kind of new. Like I didn't get like, the internet until I was like 13 years old and I didn't get like a mobile phone until I was 17 so I guess I didn't like know that in Liverpool where did, where did you was it Liverpool that you grew up yeah it was like out of choice like obviously it was like but I was like so against mobile phones when they started coming off like weirdly enough what about it did you not want to have anything to do with I don't even know what it was I I guess like it was just like a big change I guess I don't know and like I think back then when phones like first came out, it wasn't like you could go on it and go on the internet and things like that. It was just a case of like texting and calling. But I was like, oh, like I don't, I don't really care for that. I'd rather just like go and knock for my friends and play out sort of thing. So I wasn't really that interested. 
until you... when I got older, then it becomes like an essential because you need to contact people via text message and things like that. So then I got one and now I'm addicted. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works. Um, have you connected with Jai? No, I've actually never met him. I think we're friends on Facebook, but I've actually never met him because he had retired before like I started before I came a senior in trampoline. Well, he he retired after he suffered a, a devastating injury. You had a devastating injury in 2009. You did not retire. What happened? Um, so it was six days before I was due to fly out to Russia for the Junior World Championships. And it was just like a normal day. I think it was a Saturday. So I had training in the morning and just kind of went about my day normal. And um, like that day, I just kind of felt a little bit off. Like I hadn't like failed any of my routines for like two months and things were going really well. And then that day I just could not get through a routine and I knew something was wrong, but I kind of tried to push through and get like my work done and stuff. Um, and it was actually my last go um, on the trampoline that day before I went home and I took off for the first skill of my routine and as I landed in the trampoline, it almost felt like my left leg hit the floor. Like it didn't, but it just, I just felt like a big snap and kind of instantly knew that something bad had happened. And I kind of, I had already committed to a somersault. So I was like going around in the air, like thinking like, God, like I need to somehow land on my back because I'm pretty sure that my leg is broken. Um, and like, as I was going around in the air, I remember looking at my left leg and one of the bones, like, it hadn't come through the skin yet, but you could see like the shape of the bone poking against the skin. And I was like, oh God, this is bad. So um, I knew something was bad. And then like the ambulance came and they were like, yeah, you've got a dislocated knee. Like it's nothing to worry about, blah, blah, blah. Took me to the hospital and my leg just started swelling. Like as like each hour passed, it was getting bigger and bigger. And it eventually swelled past the air cast and the doctors came around and were like, yeah, that's kind of not normal for a dislocated knee. So I went to get an x-ray. It showed that I had fractured my tib and fib, but um, it had fractured so badly that basically it, it had exploded the bone. So it was in like 15 different pieces. So they were like, yeah, you've broken your leg pretty badly. Um, we're going to do like a minor surgery to put like a probe in your leg to just measure the swelling, just to make sure that you don't get compartment syndrome which for people who don't know is basically where your blood circulation can't get round to your limbs. So it, basically your leg dies and then you eventually have to get it amputated. Um, so I go in for like a half an hour procedure is what it's supposed to be. And then um, they call down to my mom um, and just kind of ask permission if they could operate because the swelling had already gotten too bad and I already had compartment syndrome. So they had like, they said they had 10 minutes to kind of, operate or the left leg would have had to be amputated so it was pretty crazy I went in for like a minor surgery and came out like seven hours later not really knowing what happened with two big holes in my left leg and <laughs> it was crazy what is the recovery from that like um well this is what's crazy so originally after like kind of we found out that I had compartment syndrome. They did all the surgeries. They discovered that I had damaged the growth plates in both sides of my knee. So they were like, you're probably never going to trampoline again. We'd be kind of 
shocked if you walked normally again or like recovered fully because you've damaged the growth plate so badly. So they were kind of expecting my left leg to just never grow and then have to have surgery later on to fix it. So sport was like gone in their heads and wasn't really meant to ever happen again. But I don't even know why. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea, but I just kind of didn't listen. and was just like, you know what? Like I am going to jump again and it's what I love to do. So I'm going to. So I actually then did the junior world championships in 2010 um 10 months after i had broken my leg so what? <laughs> yeah so i don't really know that how though i mean i i understand you say you don't know but what was the process i mean that's that is shocking to to break your leg into 15 pieces and then 10 months later you're at the world junior championships what was that like what was that what what was the journey over those 10 months um at the start of it, it was rough. So like um, I spent like the first month in hospital and couldn't get out of bed and things like that. Um, so that part was difficult. But then like, I don't know, like once I went home and I did like, I had like an external fixator on, so like a big metal frame around my leg for I think four months. So like when that, like after the first month of being in hospital, once I got out, I kind of went back to the gym Um and just started doing like upper body, stomach conditioning, just everything else that I could do that wasn't on legs. And I just kind of, I built it up slowly. So I just set myself like small goals. Like I remember like one of my aims was to walk again. So that took like five months. And then once I could walk, I then wanted to be able to jog. And then once I could jog, I was like, okay, now I can jump on the floor. And it just kind of went like that. And luckily enough for me, like, the growth plates were damaged but for some reason my legs still grew and never had complications through that part of it so I guess I had a little bit of luck on my side as well but I don't know I just set myself small goals and just once I had achieved that then I moved on to the next one and I don't know like looking back I even think it's crazy now and I think it caused a lot of problems like later on in life in terms of injury but I think I was just so stubborn and determined to kind of prove everybody wrong who said that I wouldn't be able to get back, that that was all that mattered, that I would do anything to just get back. <laughs> Were your parents trying to stop you? No, I think I think they knew me well enough to know that they probably couldn't. Um, <laughs> like, they were nervous, I think. Like, I was as well, like, getting back on the trampoline for the first time and, like, doing the skills that I hate myself doing. Like, I was a bit nervous, and I think... My mum as well was a bit scared because obviously it was like a little bit traumatic for her as well, like going through it all. But I think as long as I was happy, they were happy. So they didn't really mind. And I have to believe that going through a trauma like that at age 15, you're about yeah, was... 15, that uh, and nearly losing your leg and within a year recovering to compete at the world championships getting through oh um i guess i like guys too that must have put that into perspective like did overcoming that injury help you get through the mental struggles of who you are um i i actually think yes it did because i think after going through that and like how traumatic that was and like I went through a long time of like not being able to sleep because I'd have like really bad nightmares about like the injury and things like that. And 
yeah, like I think it made me much more of a resilient person. And I think it taught me to, I I guess, not care about people's opinions as much as what I did before that, because there was a lot of like negativity online. Like there was like this trampoline website where like a lot of people had written like nasty things about me getting injured and like stuff like that. So I think it definitely toughened me up a bit. And I think it definitely made me more resilient. So then when it came to like the kind of coming out part, like, it was still difficult and it was hard for me to do, but I think I definitely just was a much stronger person by that point. Yeah. Well, teaching, teaching kids strength and confidence is particularly LGBTQ kids. I think it gives them uh, tools to get through some of the struggle. When you talk about some people being jerks online, uh, how did you find the people in your sport as you were coming out? Um, Funnily enough, I actually got less jokes about being gay once I actually came out than before, which is crazy. (laughs) Like before, like, it's so weird because like before you come out or you ever say that like you're gay or you're bi or you're lesbian, anything, I feel like people are like pushing it on you. They're like, oh, you're gay. Like you must be gay. You must be gay all of the time. But like, I guess if you're not ready to like say it or you don't know yourself well enough, then like that's stressful and you feel like you're being attacked constantly but then once you actually come out like I found that a lot of people were like oh it's just a phase like it'll pass I was like Jesus Christ I can't win so I get told to come out because I'm gay and then when I come out I get told it's a phase so what the hell well I think I think people particularly kids use that kind of language not to attack you for being gay or bi but to just be jerks and to needle you. And when they realize that the person is actually gay or bi, they're like, oh wait, oh no, no, wait. I, oh, I, I shouldn't use, I didn't mean that. I, I don't want, I, I'm not gonna use that language again. Yeah, yeah, it could be that, it, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, kids are weird. About, about how old were you when you started talking about this with people? Um, so I came out to, um some of my friends and my coach in December 2010 so it was actually straight after the world championships that I got back from with my leg it was like the month later so like I don't know I think before that because I I don't know like I started puberty quite late because of gymnastics so like sexuality and things like that I never really thought about before then it was only like when I went through puberty that then I started to think like oh like do I like guys like and it was like confusing for about two months. And like, it was kind of like this big secret that I like didn't want to share. And I was like, so embarrassed. And then like, I think my coach kind of noticed like that I was struggling and I was a bit distracted in training and just acting a bit different. And he kind of just asked me the question one day, like, oh, like, are you gay sort of thing or whatever. And then I just kind of started crying. And then that's kind of how I knew that. Yeah, I think that was what it was. And that was what was eating away at me. I know you've been dealing with another injury and a global pandemic um, and, and the Olympics in 2020 are, you know, a possibility, but I guess not a probability for you. What is next for you? Um, well, I don't know at the minute. Um, like, obviously, I, the past 15 years of my life have been geared towards going to Tokyo and now and injuries kind of stop that and now there's a pandemic so like the rest of my plans are a bit messed up because this year I was supposed to be visiting 56 countries in one year sort of thing that was my aim um 
to go traveling and then hopefully go to Cirque du Soleil. I'd love to do that as well. Um, but at the minute, I don't know because like I'm still trying to recover from my ankle surgery last July. My ankle's still causing a bit of issues, so I'm not able to kind of train or do anything that I'd want to do anyway. So I just want to get fit, hopefully go on holiday sometime soon, which everyone is dying to do, I think, and then kind of assess my life from there, really. If my ankle feels good and I kind of want to give it a shot for Paris, then I'll do that. If I want to go to Cirque, I'll do that. And if I just want a completely different life, I guess I'll just cross that bridge when it comes. Well, Luke, I appreciate you 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 spending some time with me. Good luck with everything, and and whether it's London or Paris or anywhere else, uh, we Cirque du Soleil. We'll see you a resident in Vegas. Hopefully, um, we'll we'll be following you. Yeah, thank you very much. You can find Luke Strong on Instagram and Twitter at Luke underscore Strong Two, and no, he is not afraid to show off his Olympic level physique. Next week, I'm really excited to bring this conversation. You know, some people you talk with, the conversation, uh, you know, stammers a bit. I stammer a bit. Um, this conversation uh, next week uh, really just flowed so nicely. It's with Darius Gilchrist, who is a fellow podcaster on the Outsports Network. Yeah, he's got a podcast called Game Day T. It's a lot of fun. Anyhow, we talk about his experience uh, around the Olympic bombing in Atlanta, where he was living in 1996 at the time. We also talk about our love of music, and it's just a, it was really great finally catching up with Darius. He's been he's been part of the network for a while, and it, and we had just had not been able to to connect. So it was great talking with him. Anyway, I'll come back next week for an interesting uh, and emotional and. I think fun conversation. We'll talk to you then.